Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. As always, this is Mark Warner along with my host, Chris Lisa. We are going to be talking Blackhawks hockey tonight. I've been wanting to get a, a Blackhawks contributor on for quite some time, especially during their their winning streak there, and then even earlier in the season when Patrick Kane was breaking the U.S. record for consecutive games with a point. We've been we've been trying to get a hold of somebody to get on the line, and fortunately for us, David Tews from the Hockey Riders is joining us this evening. We're going to get into the Blackhawks season. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. Ah, it's our pleasure. Our pleasure. Definitely, definitely good to talk to you. You could, guys can find David at David Two's Thirteen on Twitter, and you can also check out his content on the Hockey Writers. He just has a. He, we were just talking off the air. He's got a, a new article up about our Timmy Panarin and his Calder Trophy chances for Rookie of the Year. I think he should be right in the conversation, if not leading the leading the pack right now. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more in the second segment. Chris, what's up, buddy? How you doing tonight? Doing well. How about yourself? You know, hanging in there. I think I don't the Kings matchup tomorrow night. Ooh, I don't know if you want them right now, man. Nine goals in Boston. That uh, That's the most goals the Kings have scored on in a road game in 30 years. So... And it was. Oh, they, the, got it. they got it out of their system. Yeah, <laughs> you hope so. Um, man, that's. I don't know. They come back from the All Star break. They seem. They seem kind of focused. Nine different goal scorers in that game too. So, but uh, we digress. We digress. As everybody knows, we go th- go around the league here in segment one of the show and talk about the latest news and notes. Um, before we get to that, though, we did have. Uh, our last show, the All Vegas Hockey Talk, we went with uh, professional handicapper Dana Lane. Dana, thanks again for doing that show. Um, and Chris followed that up with a pretty good article summing up a lot of the points we made on that. You could find that article in Last Word on Sports. Um, what was what was that titled, Chris? Uh, it was called the NHL in Vegas, Don't Miss the Boat. Don't Miss the Boat, right, right. Make sure you guys check that out. If you enjoyed the last show, there's a lot of little more in-depth on the expansion uh, to Vegas topic if, if that guy's if that turned everybody on. So make sure you guys get over to Last Word on Sports and check that out. But uh, I don't know. Let's start off with Bufflin. Um, we've mentioned a few times, as uh, you guys know, Chris likes to do the look ahead to the trade deadline and who's in, who's out, who's buying, who's selling. That was one of his last articles there. So uh, And we had kind of speculated what did we what did you think Chris you thought Bufflin and Ladd were both going to be gone you didn't think either one, one... I thought so go ahead I thought so because I thought um I think I guess Winnipeg has to be the problem I have with Bufflin is um he's a bit to me he's a he's an unusual player from this standpoint obviously he's a big strong physical defenseman he brings physicality to his game he has really good offensive skill but you know, he is a defenseman, and not that he—I mean, he's solid. I would say, defensively speaking, on a scale one to ten, he's probably like a six. But when you put together his whole game, but when I evaluate a player, I say to myself, if I was starting a team tomorrow, would Dustin Bufflin be a true first-pairing defenseman? And I kind of have a tough time saying that. I kind of feel like. He would be a phenomenal second pairing defenseman, maybe like my first, uh, my number three defenseman. You know, he'd be a great second pairing defenseman. So when I look at the deal, you know, five years, he does turn 31 in March. Five years, um, I guess, you know, he would have gotten more in free agency. Uh, there's no doubt about that. He would have at least gotten six years, maybe even seven. Uh, so Winnipeg should be happy with that part, but, you know, a little bit more than seven and a half million dollars a year. Uh, really, all about it's all about the cap. Uh, you know that is a that's a high number, and um, but we're seeing more as we've talked about over and over again uh, the rise the rise of player salary. Uh, so I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. Winnipeg got got the years that they wanted. Uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind the first the next three years. I feel very confident Buffalo will be the player he, he currently is. I worry a little bit about the last two years, and then, you know, if you're having a player on your team with a $7.5 million cap hit, that is now 
you know, a borderline second pairing defenseman, more like a third pairing, but or or more so the way he plays, the physicality. Where is he going to be in three, four years' time when he's you know thirty five and thirty six at the back end of that contract? So, um, but it's I guess good news for Jets fans that they don't lose Bufflin. Seems like Lad will be out the door, but uh, I guess that's talk for another day. Now, David, I know you're familiar with uh, Bufflin's game, hundred percent, being the Blackhawks guy. So, uh, what do you what do you think that says? See, I, I I thought that letting both Bufflin and Lad go would send the wrong message to the Winnipeg fan base, being in their fourth year back in in Winnipeg, and by not extending one or both of those guys' contracts due to cap reasons or money, that's definitely not the message you want to send to your fan base. Uh, They're playing in the smallest building in the National Hockey League, and I know that's a restriction when you're taking in Canadian dollars and it's 70 cents on the dollar and you're paying out in in American dollars. Um, But I think just for the basic PR of it that, we're spending money, we're signing our players, we're a healthy franchise. I thought that they almost had to sign at least one of them. And if they had to overpay to do it um, a little bit, I mean, he's making more than Drew Doughty makes. Um, I think they almost had to do it. Uh, I know you're familiar with his game. What do you think of that signing? Well, Buffalo's definitely a rare player. Uh, I don't think there are too many guys around the league that you can compare him to just in terms of his natural physical abilities and his, his shot is unreal. Um, he's got great offensive awareness. But I just kind of question whether it was a good move to re-sign Bufflin over Ladd. Uh, right now, Ladd is their captain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's a very correct. productive player. He has a very sustainable game. He plays a strong two-way game. And he probably would have been cheaper than Bufflin, too. And I, I just kind of question the decision to take Bufflin over Ladd in this situation, especially when you have Jacob Truba coming up, too. I think, and uh, Josh Moore, two I, great defensemen. I think that, I mean, we're all kind of agreeing that Ladd's going to be on the trading block then. Is that where we think that goes? Yeah, I don't think he stays the rest of the season in Winnipeg. Mm. Yeah, I think I think he's a goner. And I'll give you, I'll throw one uh, uh, caveat out there. If Truba's going to hold uh, Winnipeg's feet to the fire, although he is a He's a restricted free agent this summer, but without arbitration rights. But depending upon how that goes, and I don't think this will happen this month, but watch out for June uh, between the Islanders and Winnipeg. And Travis Hamanek, who uh, is a guy with very uh, core certainty, and maybe some kind of Hamanek plus a player for Truba plus a player, and both Winnipeg and the Islanders, uh, can help each other out with their uh, various different situations, and how many can wind up going uh, back home to his hometown team, where uh, due to his uh, off the ice situation. So that would that could really help out both teams. And keep in mind, Hamnick is at uh, 3.85 million for the next four years. So uh, uh, just give just a little, you know, you heard it here first as that plays out come come June. Let me hit this. If they're not going to re-sign him, um, do you go Hamannick for Ladd with a prospect at the deadline? Not no. Wait, not no, wait until I, June? No, the Islanders cannot trade Travis Hamannick and make a run in this year's playoffs uh, unless they get a equally solid defenseman, defensive defenseman back. That's the problem. So I don't, and I don't see them He's a very critical part of their team. Uh, obviously, he wants to, you know, get traded. Ideally, in a perfect world, it would be Winnipeg um, due to his off-ice situation. Um, but I, I don't. I see that more as an off-season move. I don't think the pieces and the flexibility with the teams are in play now. So uh, uh, anything can happen. But I would. I would be not shocked, but very surprised. So, I, yeah, they cannot trade a defenseman uh, without getting at least a solid defenseman back. And as we were talking about the air market, uh, that market seems very thin. I mean, even, like, if they could get, I mean, I, I keep bringing this guy's name up, but a Willie Mitchell type. But Florida's not trading him. You know, but a player like that, a, a pro's pro, 
solid us. So I'm not talking about a star, you know, a player or something. And then they can add a Willie Mitchell and then trade Hamannick for a forward. You know, although that's good for the short term, not really good for the long term. But that's a trade I think down. I think that could really help out both teams. You know, maybe like I said, I think uh, another player would have to be involved from each side to to kind of offset uh, things. But just just throwing something out there to stir the pot a little bit in terms of something to watch for. I could I, I could see those two teams hooking up with each other. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go on to the next big big news of the week. I guess is the nine player trade that takes Fanuf out of Toronto. Um, having having moved Clarkson, Kessel, and now Fanuf, that frees up uh, Steven Stamkos type money, if you will, nineteen million dollars in the cap. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know uh, what McCulloch's uh, contract status is? He's he's UFA. He's signed through next he's, he's signed through next year. Okay. Uh, and he's making four four million cap hit both this year and next. So so basically, Jared Cowan and McCollin are signed uh, for this year and next. Uh, Cowan's an RFA, but obviously they don't have to offer him a contract. And uh, McCollin is going to be a UFA after next year. And those two players together's cap hit is seven point one million. Whereas Fanuf is seven seven point so they pretty much wash out. So uh, at the when the smoke clears, the lease will get four years off the books of seven million dollars, starting after next season. And ho- hopefully, and Greeny's uh, contract plays in there too. How, how does that work out? I think his deal is up after this season, but his his cap hit is right around uh, the three million mark, I, I believe. Okay, so that's $21 million. and that that doesn't even look at their roster at who their other UFAs are at the end of the year for Toronto. So, I mean, they realistically, they could be going into the offseason with 20 to $25 million in cap space. That's ridiculous. I know we'll, we'll fuel yeah. – let's fuel the rumors because I know Chris loves this one. Stamkos doesn't resign. He's, he's a Toronto Maple Leafs next year. Is that what you're saying? I think it's going to be Tampa or Toronto. I, I think, it, and it's going to be how much he wants to stay in Tampa, uh, and then how much Tampa wants. You know, Tampa has a lot of people to sign. They, they either have they either have uh, a lot of commitments already, or they have a lot of people to sign. Starting with uh, not just with Stamkos, but Victor Hedman's coming up. Um, uh, you know, what are they going to do with the goalies between Ben Bishop and? And, you know, they do have the youngster waiting the wings. Do they, let, do they wind up trading Bishop because the cap crunch that they're in? Uh, if they do resign Stamkos, Tampa, someone, at least one of their really good players are going to have to be moved in a salary cap kind of trade, at least one, if not two. Right. Um, you know, when you see their initial offer after, after Kopitar, a sign with your Kings there, Mark, uh, and I think, you know, not to sneeze at it, but at $8.5 million per, it's like, well, wait a minute, guys. That's ridiculous. Ten million. You know how do you how do you? You can't. That's a that's a slap yeah, in the face. I mean, if I'm Stamkos, that's a slap in the face that they offered eight point five, right? I mean, that just yeah, leaked out here. That doesn't, that doesn't that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's it's almost like you got to start at least ten million dollars. I mean, the Kopitar signing, as we talked about before, it to me it signifies that if you're now a franchise player. You're getting ten million dollars, so um, you know, and I think he'll get north of that. I think he'll break uh, Kane and Toes's uh, ten and a half at least, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got up to upward close to twelve million. So I think, I think but if this deal is all about cap space, in fact, 100%. I would make the argument the best asset that Toronto got back in this deal was the second round pick they got uh, from Ottawa which is not even in this upcoming year's draft. It's the following year. It's in 2017. So I think that was probably the best asset they got in this deal. So well, let me, Chris, let me get out to a break here, and we'll get, we'll get David's views on that trade when we come back from the break. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. 
the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back from the break. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, we were just finishing up talking about the FNUF deal and the cap ramifications. We were throwing the Stamkos to Toronto rumors out there. Um, not that we would be the first ones to <laughs> to say that. I think Stamkos himself tweeted a little bit about uh, what it, how fun it would be to play in Toronto there. I don't know. I meant That might have been after they offered him $8.5 million. Um, Man, when that came out, I, I I could not believe that was the opening that the Tampa Bay, the opening salvo in the contract talks. If if that's uh, who got it, that's gotta that's gotta hurt. But anyway, Dave, I wanted to let you chime in on the on the FNUF talk, and then we'll get all over the Blackhawks. Yeah, sounds good. Um, actually, I've heard a lot of people uh, speak negatively of the Senators for making that deal and bringing FNUF contract into the fold. But I, I really like the deal from Ottawa's perspective. Um, I think they're in more of a position to win now than most people realize. That group of forwards they have. And adding Fanuff on the back end uh, is just a huge asset to have. I, I think he's well worth, and we talked about Buffalo earlier, he's getting $7.8 million. If Buffalo's worth $7.8, then I, I can see Fanuff being worth 7 So I, I don't really have too much of a problem with the contract, and obviously he's great player to have on the back end so good deal for both sides does taking the c off his sweater lighten his load a little bit where he can just go back to playing about worrying about playing hockey so much being a captain in toronto is is a brutal task for anybody to undertake um given given maple leaf nation so i'm i'm wondering if inwardly he kind of just breathes a sigh of relief you know he's been rumored to be moved for over a year now so maybe he just he comes into ottawa and it just gets to worry about playing hockey again and lightens his load and and he could really i i, I kind of agree with you on that that he, for the for the balance of this year anyway as far as like you say uh being in a position to win now i think Fanuf's game just from a relaxed standpoint I think he he finishes up really strong this year. That's just my take on it. That remains to be seen, but I think I think he can just go back to worrying about playing hockey. He's known he's going to move somewhere for a, for a year, and that's got to wear a player down after a while too. So I think it's good for him to get out, and I think it's good for Toronto moving forward um, with with all that cap space. It's just ridiculous, but um, we'll see what Babs and company can do with that. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. Anyway, you're yeah. here. To, you're here to talk some Blackhawks hockey, man. So uh, I, I want to get to. We did our preseason uh, preseason look ahead shows on each on each division, and I I had the Blackhawks taking a step back, um, losing Sharp, Oduya, uh, Saad to Columbus, and then maybe people didn't. With all that going on, Richards. Richards leaves and goes to Detroit, so that's that's four four pretty pretty important players off a of Stanley Cup roster. Um, so I had them moving back. I think I had them in a wild card spot with Nashville, St. Louis, and if Minnesota could get consistency out of Dubnik, um, taking the first three spots there. Um, obviously, I'm wrong. <laughs> um, first pl- first place in the West. I, I should know by now, being a Kings fan, that if you don't step on their neck and snap snap their trachea and then cut their jugular and then maybe put a shotgun blast in their lower spine the blackhawks will not die <laughs> um i i should know that by now but uh i guess i guess i learned painful lessons um so how do you how do you get from from and and they've done it before so all all credit to the gm um how do they get from from losing I think that added up to eight Stanley Cups out of the room um, to, once again, top of the Western Conference. Um, Patrick Kane's having what I think is his best overall season. Um, how do they get from, from that point to this point? And who's been 
I know I know we got a rookie of the year candidate in Panarin on the roster, but who else maybe has stepped up and filled some of those roles um, that maybe some people like myself. I've only caught a, a handful of Blackhawks games this year, but uh, who else is going has stepped up and and filled those voids for that club? Yeah, definitely. So I I think uh, the Saad trade is really a big part of this. Where you look at the pieces that we got from Columbus to that deal, and uh, a lot of people were super pumped about getting Marco Daniel right away. They thought he was going to come in and just replace Todd on the top line, and that really hasn't happened. But one guy who has paid off tremendously is Artemi Artemanisimov. He's been fabulous so far, playing with Kane and Panarin on that second line. And it's really just kind of been him replacing the production of Saad just from a different area on the ice. Um, his two-way game is superb, and he's got 18 goals this season, too, which is pretty impressive for a guy like him who is not normally a 20-goal scorer, and he's easily going to get 20 this season. Right. Um, so I think that's been a big part of it. Um, and then in terms of replacing Oduya, I think Eric Gustafson and Trevor Van Riemsdyk have both been able to kind of rotate in and out of that fourth defenseman spot well enough to uh, replace Oduya's minutes and really provide some valuable production on the back end. It's tough to replace a guy like Oduya. For sure. He's such a good puck mover, and he's so responsible defensively. Absolutely. But uh, Gustafson and Van Riemsdyk is both great on the outlet passes. Um, they know when to pinch and when to stay home defensively, and they're smarter than neutral them. So I think those are those are two guys that really stepped up and Kind of use that burden a bit. Now, when you when you lose that much leadership, um, and I'll say Sharp and Oduya, and I'll even say Richards, who's been through the ringer around the league quite a bit. Um, has anyone has anyone stepped up in the? In, you, know, you mentioned uh, Panarin, obviously, and Isamoff. Um, what about the leadership roles that were vacated in that? I mean, I know I know Taves is probably, if not the best, one of the top three captains in the league as far as leadership in the room goes but uh, has anyone has anyone jumped forward to uh kind of claim a bit of, of leadership from a veteran standpoint yeah absolutely so uh Seabrook replaced sharp as the second alternate captain behind keith obviously Hayes, like you said is a tremendous captain absolutely um but the t-brick's always been a pretty steady presence in the locker room i i felt and his play this year has just kind of further cemented his leadership status um, another guy who really doesn't get enough credit as a leader, I think, is Corey Crawford. I mean, it's pretty untraditional to see a goalie be one of the team's top leaders, but he's so consistent, uh, so underrated, and he doesn't really seem to care about the fact that people overlook him at year after year. And I think that uh, really uh, gives him a lot of credit in the locker room, and he's been fabulous again this season, so I think it's tough. Uh, it's not tough to replace a guy like Sharp when you guys when you have guys like Seabrook and Crawford stepping up this season as well. Right, right. It does got to kind of. I don't want to rub any salt in the wound or anything, but to have Sharp and Oduya barking up your your uh, tail in, in in Dallas there that 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be a little motivator, doesn't it? Uh, you guys got to finish in front of Dallas for sure. You can't you can't let the the them go down to Dallas and. I we, did, we again on our on our pre I really like the sharp and Oduya to Dallas because missing the playoffs last year, and also your old friend Niemi going uh, going to Dallas as well. That added five Stanley Cups to that locker room, and I think the one thing obviously they have offensive they're they're a juggernaut on the offensive side, but bringing in uh, Stanley Cup leadership and experience into that locker room obviously has just helped Dallas tremendously this year to go from where they were last year to where they are right now. So um, just from from the Blackhawks' standpoint, you guys got to finish in front of Dallas in the standings because that's – Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine if you got to go to Dallas on on uh, your second-round series there? That would be, that'd be a story. Oh. That would be a storyline, wouldn't it? Yeah, the second round, that would be – a brutal matchup. <laughs> that would, uh, uh, that yeah. Was a very good team. And Sharp is playing much better this season than he did last season as well. So For I sure. He's been a great addition. Yeah. That, that goes kind of back to what we were talking about, too, with uh, um, Sharp going to different skill set of, of, of line mates and also the system that, 
they play in Dallas. Definitely, definitely Sharpen is having having a much better year. So, ooh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that race because at one point Dallas had jumped up, and it's kind of been a year of streaks in the National Hockey League with you know Montreal jumping out of the gate. Florida had their run. Dallas had their 13-game winning streak. Then you guys turned right around and, and had your winning streak to take that number one spot back from them. So that's something I'm, I'm actually enjoying watching that division this year. It's pretty pretty fun hockey to watch. So going, going into the season, uh, w- with all that in mind, and we haven't even – and I don't want to touch too much on it, but there was the Patrick Kane situation uh, with allegations there in Buffalo – and all of everything that went with that as far as, as all the media want to talk about, uh, forgetting it's a Stanley Cup champion team. Let's just talk about some unfounded allegations um, and going into that. And so Patrick Kane comes out and breaks the, the American points point per game point a game consecutive point game how do i something like that you know what i'm trying to say um so he yeah, comes yeah. he comes and i i really i really wasn't sure he's still he's still young people don't realize he, i think he's still 26 right 25 yeah, so yeah he's still young so i i didn't know how he would um react to that on the ice and he he leads your team in everything plus minus points goals assists he's got to be if if you're talking MVP at this point, obviously Patrick Kane's name has to be right at the top of the list. You might put uh, Holpe in there. You might put Luongo in there. Um, Offense, you're probably in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, to get to get to this point with that kind of roster turnover on a championship team, when you have you know a rookie coming in, kind of undersized as your second leading scorer. I'm a big Coach Q fan. I think, I think that his coaching kind of won the Western Conference Finals last year for you guys. Um, the moves that he made, the, he he totally outcoached Boudreaux. And I mean, what is he the third all-time winningest coach? I believe in in games yeah. one. So I gotta say it from he from is he second now? I think this yeah. might be his fine, finest season with how he dealt with everything that was going on in the start of the year, maybe adjusting, tweaking the system, tweaking the lines, finding the right chemistry, and keeping that group together, believing, believing that uh, what, what you guys do have there is obviously still one of the best teams in hockey when a lot of the outsiders were, were like myself, uh, pulling them down a notch. Um, what do you think from what you've seen, at least even in his time in Chicago? Is this maybe his finest work yet, Coach Q? I would say absolutely. Uh, if he's not a finalist for the Jack Adams after this season, I'm going to be extremely disappointed because he absolutely deserves it. 100%. I think this season he's taken uh, some big strides just in terms of trusting his players a lot more. So I don't think there was ever really a distraction with the whole Kane situation. I think he trusted Taves and, uh, to lead that locker room and trusted Kane to figure it out on his own. It's kind of figure out how he was going to be successful still. And then he's really trusted his young players a lot more. I look at Philip Snow coming up, and he's filled the third-line center role uh, very well so far this season. And that's not really something that would have happened in season past. There, there might have been some some growing pains for a young player like that, but Q threw him right in, and he responded, and he rewarded him with more ice time, which I think has been a great decision. So I think just in terms of trusting his players and, Knowing the kind of the special team that they have in Chicago has been has been awesome for Quinnville so far this season. No, that that's a great point because even last year when you guys were short short sided on defense in the playoffs, um, he was he was rolling two pairs for a whole lot of a whole lot of different games. Um, yeah, your third pair of defense was getting three or four minutes of ice time, and uh, well deserved Con Smythe for Duncan Keith, of course. Um, but yeah, the younger defenseman on the roster, I, and maybe it's different in the regular season as you're and 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 the playoffs, where you're going to shorten your bench uh, anyway most times. Um, but yeah, it's a great point in trusting the players a lot more than what I'd seen him do in the past. Uh, it's a great point, Chris. Did you want to jump? Well, you know what? Let me take us out to a break. We've got about 15 seconds left, and if you can stick around, we'll do it. We'll do another segment or so. 
and uh, we'll let Chris jump into the action here. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, welcome back to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're with David Tews of the Hockey Writers covering the Chicago Blackhawks. We were just finishing up lauding the praises towards Coach Q. I believe, I think we're all, I don't know if we're all in agreement that uh, Coach of the Year finalist for sure, Patrick Kane, MVP, at least MVP finalist, Panarin, Calder. There could be some hardware. There could be some hardware headed to Chicago here at the uh, at the end of the year awards show here in Vegas. So so far so good. I'm gonna let Chris jump in the box here, and I know he's got a couple he wants to fire over towards David. So Chris, hop in, take it away, man. Okay, I, mean, I got three quickies. So my first one is David. Do you, with the trade deadline coming up now, it's not a problem in terms of assets that the Hawks have to trade. Uh, in terms of, you know, we talked off air about some of the young youngsters they have trying to break the roster who on other NHL teams would be NHL-ready. But given their camp situation, uh, what do you see them doing uh, because of the little bit of uh, restrictions that they have that they're literally up against the cap? Uh, do you see them making any moves before the deadline? Or if there are any, it's going to be more of the kind of tinkering, maybe adding a third-line player or adding a fourth-line player, that kind of thing? Well, there are a couple of things to be said about that. Um, first of all, they actually will have a good amount of cap space. They'll have upwards of $4 million um, on deadline day, thanks to the Marcus Kruger injury. He's on injury reserve right now. And then the uh, Trevor Daly for Rob Scuderi trade. So we do have some, some room, some flexibility. Um and we do have the assets. I think, like, Mark McNeil is one guy that I've written about recently that could be on the block. He's had a tough time cracking the roster, but he's still a good prospect. Um, but Stan Bowman isn't really huge on making a big splash at the deadline. He doesn't like to give up future assets for players that are going to be rental. So I think I see more of a, a roster tweak uh, ahead. He, Bowman's really big on adding centers. It's always good to have a some depth at center eyes going into the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference. So I, th- I can see them adding a center somewhere. Uh, I don't know who that would be at this point. Tough to say who's going to be available yet. Uh, I think that's a position to look out for. And then some, I've heard some Andrew Ladd rumblings uh, recently about potentially sending Shaw and a draft pick or a prospect over to Winnipeg in exchange for Andrew Ladd, who would fill the, the hole in the top line next to Jason Hosa. I think that's intriguing. Well, I just don't know if Bowman's going to pull the trigger on something like that. Well, they they did trade their first round pick last year, and when you're the Hawks, and you know, to me, if they, if you know, if you're looking at, I mean, here's the thing about trading first round picks that everyone has to realize: if you win a round in the playoffs, the earliest you're going to be picking is 23rd. So, not to yeah. who picking, you know, not to say that that's a bad pick. But, it, you know, it, it, it does not hurt as much if you trade a first-round pick and you're picking 23rd, 26th. So the, the Hawks did uh, trade their first-round pick last year, I believe, for, for Mets, Arizona, if memory serves correct. So do they yeah. be willing to part with, part with us, uh, keep keep the kids that they have that are close and uh, but be willing to dangle that first-round pick again? I think it's tough to dangle that first-round pick when – uh, they don't have a second-round pick either because of the team in a trade. Um, so they they do have, have a third, two-fourths, and two-fifths, and I feel like those are the most likely assets that are going to be moved. Um, but I think a guy like McNeil or even like a Tanner Caro, those are going to be the guys that might be on the move just because they're having such a hard time cracking the roster right now. And they're still valuable players. Um, okay, so my second question is, now, uh, what would you say to a Hawks fan? I would say to you, David, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, the team's playing great, but as you know, we've had some incredible seasons. We've won the Cup, uh, you know, numerous times. We've gotten very far each year. But at some point, uh, when you look at the core of this team, 
these games are going to add up. And at what point, you know, are we going to hit the playoffs this year? And maybe by the time, let's say, we face the Kings or who said, or who knows, maybe the Ducks in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, Don't do it, Chris. Our tank is. <laughs> our, I knew you were going to do it. Is, <laughs> our tank is waning, uh, waning a bit. What would you, what would you say to that? Do you think that's a, that's a, a, a little bit of a concern, more than a little bit, or you know, just, just, uh, just uh, sports talk radio? Yeah, I, I don't really see that happening. I think uh, Keith and Seabrook are guys you always step it up in the postseason and. I, I have no doubt that they'd be able to do that again. Um, one thing that I will point out that I mentioned earlier is uh, the minutes Ben Reebsbeck has been playing. He's averaging close to 20 a night, and that's really helped alleviate a lot of pressure off uh, Seabrook and Keith so far during the regular season. So I, I think they'll be just fine come playoff time, as long as they remain relatively healthy. I think okay, the infusion of the... Let me. I think the infusion of the youngsters that have... Have come up and 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 taken the spots of the veterans that have left the squad probably helps a lot in that because they're going to be going through that that first time second maybe second time deep run into the playoffs. <clears throat> Excuse me, players like Panera and Reemsdyke, who was there last year but didn't really get to play a whole lot. Um, I think that yeah. enthusiasm of youth will is I think I think number one. There'll be less of an effect on the the cumulative games played over the last few years, like bit the Kings last season. And number two, that enthusiasm of youth has a way of permeating a room and infecting the people around it. So the the veterans on this, and remember, Taves and Kane are only 26, 27 years old still. Um, it feels like they've been in the league for freaking ever, but uh, they're still they're still young guys. They should still have good legs. And the 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 exuberance of the guys that haven't been through it before, and maybe you know, the, you never know when you're going to get another chance to do it. Is a cliche they use, but the their exuberance and excitement. I think I don't think I don't I don't think that that'll that'll be an issue for that club. Probably more so that club than a lot of other clubs that uh, might be able to, you know. Well, there's only two clubs, one club really that has had the playoff runs the last six years that the Blackhawks have, and that would be the Blackhawks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I, I think just that the roster turnover actually helps them in that regard, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, I, the one thing I would say about that, one thing uh, in terms of first-time guys, uh, keep in mind, youngsters, when the season gets extended like this, sometimes they do hit a wall. But uh, No, that's true. That's true. My last my last question, and this guy, I'm just curious of how he's fitting in with the Hawks, and this is a guy who's dear and dear to both my heart and Mark's heart for different reasons, and that's Rob Scuderi, who won a cup with the Kings, mm. and where I live in on Long Island in New York, he uh, actually grew up one town away from me. Uh, I'm just I'm just curious. I, I know, he, you know he's a bit older now. He's a grizzly veteran, uh, but uh, how is he fitting in with the Hawks? I mean, obviously he's a role player for them, but... Is he fitting in as that kind of third-pairing defenseman? Well, the one thing I will say about Skidari that's uh, a, a big-time positive is that he hasn't caused any waves so far. Uh, he hasn't come in. He hasn't been a distraction. He hasn't complained about playing time. He hasn't complained about being traded uh, from Pittsburgh. Uh, so I think those are all like, definite positives. Um, the, the word from the locker room is that he's been a great addition. Obviously, a veteran guy, some good leadership. He knows what it takes to win, so that's all good. Um, but he's been in more of a rotation with Roseball right now in that third pairing. So you got uh, Keith and Jalmerson on the top, and then it's usually Seabrook and either Gustafson or Ben Ringsteich on the second pairing. And then uh, one of those two guys with either Roseball or Skidari on the third. Um, so it's, it's not that he's uh, had a hard time fitting in. It's just that he's had a hard time finding ice time uh, with all the young defensemen that have come up and played well so far. Uh, but I, I have no complaints about Rob Scuderi so far. No, and I, I would... I tell you what, you can eat... Go ahead, Chris. Ten, I mean, to me, where he's at in his career, you give him 10, 12 minutes a night, I think you're going to get 10, 12 quality minutes and let him play his game as a uh, defensive defenseman. 
uh, especially on the third pairing, that works. That kind of works well. I think that could be, a, you know, a real good fit for for, for both sides. So you, you try to stretch him beyond that. Uh, uh, that that's when you're gonna have some issues and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he doesn't really have the legs he used to either. He, he's not as strong a skater as he used to be. So I think uh, having a proper gauge on his his playing time is uh, is a big key. I would I, I I would be shocked if you heard anything negative out of Rob Scuderi regarding playing time role on the team. It would stun me if that guy came out and said anything like that. That would uh, yeah having having that guy. He was I mean the piece that hit. I, I when I look back at how the Kings were built when you when you did bring a Rob Scuderi in and then when Mike Richards came over those those were the two guys they had previously gotten uh Stoli and Green from Edmonton but a big part of the leadership too but with with Richards and Scuderi those those two guys were just class A gentlemen uh all for every minute of their time there I know Richards fell out of favor with Dean Lombardi and and I don't want to go into that but uh, in his first two or three years there oh man I'm a Mike Richards fan I wish him well in Washington um, but yeah I, I would look for Scuderi as far as trusting veteran players you mentioned Coach Q a little bit ago when you get towards the playoffs and into the playoffs you might see Scuderi in there for some of the younger guys if uh you know, untimely turnover at center ice turns into a goal going the other way. You might see Scuderi in the lineup uh, in the next game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, He's a guy. Real quick on, yeah, absolutely. Real quick on Scuderi, I just, I just thought of, if the Hawks win the Cup this year, and obviously Scuderi would be a part of that, it would be the third uh, team he's won the Stanley Cup with. Yes, sir. Uh Pittsburgh and the Kings and the other. I mean, I, I don't know this. So this is off the top of my head. That's going to be a pretty short list of guys who've won the Stanley Cup with three different teams or more. Right. I mean, uh, I'm just, I'm just, just throwing that out there. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of, you know, an interesting question. But I, I, I don't think there's too many players who've won cups with three, three, three different teams. Yeah, it's a pretty rare list. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, that's going to be. A, Call the Elias Sports Bureau on um, that one. I don't know. I can't think of any yeah. off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah. Of course, they would. In the last ten years, they would all have to be either Blackhawks or Kings, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, right? Or may, yeah, maybe. He, yeah, he won the other. He won the other one with the Penguins. And the Bruins or, are. The Bruins are in there too. The Bruins, yeah. yeah, Bruins are in yeah, there too. But like a little Bruins in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lucic has the chance this year to get his second with a second team, and then who knows? Yeah, if we can't resign him, he he could go on and get a third. So maybe there's a, a, a one. Maybe there's one that'll uh, happen this year, and one that'll be up and coming. He is going to score big in free agency. Yeah, I, I it's yeah. going to be more than the Kings can afford. I think, unfortunately, because yeah. he's really fit after in that great. Quarter, after that. After that Copatone signing, yeah, I would agree. I think he's going to get. You... I think he. Go ahead, David. He's going to get probably seven and a half a year. I think Lucic for six years, maybe seven. That won't surprise me. Yeah, I, I was going to ask though: Is there anyone you would consider moving on the team right now in order to make space for Lucic? I'm looking at a guy. Absolutely, you might not I got hear this, but Dustin Brown. I wouldn't move Brown. I would move Gabrick. Um, Gabrick's scoring's really fallen off, and he's he's getting older. And a team that might be looking to add uh, scoring in a different offensive system where he would fit better in, I'd move Gabrick. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I would. I I think I think Dean Lombardi's proven, and I've said this on the air that that he's loyal to a fault, and he proved that with Mike Richards. And I I I personally think Dustin Brown is a king for life. I don't think that Dean Lombardi would move. Dustin Brown just because of what he's meant to the franchise. That's just my personal feeling, but that's that's kind of the read I get on it. And and, and Lombardi's not a home or not Lombardi. Uh Gabrick's not a homegrown. I'd move I'd 
if we could make cap space packaging Gabrick and maybe a couple of the third liners, Trevor Lewis could could be a nice piece for somebody. Um, I'd go that way. If you can hang on for one more second, we'll go ahead and, and finish things up and let you go. But I'm out of time right now, so we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, we're back one more time. I want to I want to thank Dave for coming in. Uh, really good insight on on Blackhawks hockey this year. Make sure you guys follow him at David Two Thirteen on Twitter for all of his hockey writers content. Make sure you follow the hockey writers. Um, David, do you, are you, are you out there anywhere else on the internet? Um, I do some writing for OtherLeague.com. Uh, okay, a little bit small time stuff, but you guys are fit. Pretty pretty interesting stuff as well. All right. Well, thank thank you, sir, for coming in. Great job. Great job for sure. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. Pleasure. I know. Uh, I guess we've proven that the Kings and Blackhawks fans can have a civil hockey conversation and respect each other's views <laughs> and each other's teams. That's always refreshing. That might be worth listening to the show just to get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> as you know, every team that wins championships gets bandwagons fans, both from from the Kings side for sure and the Blackhawks side as well. So all we got to do is do a better job of educating our fans about the the game of hockey, and we can all come together. But uh, anyway, yeah, anyway, what's that? <laughs> Have some intelligent conversations about it. There you go. There you go. Anyway, uh, f- before we let you get out of here, everybody who writes for a team, we always put them on the spot. Uh, do we have back-to-back champions in Chicago this year? It, it's tough to say. I have a lot of respect for that Kings team, especially if they manage to hang on the loose seats past the deadline. Um, but I like the chances a lot this season. Crawford's playing his best hockey of his career. And uh, Kane and Taves are both rolling, so I, I like their chances to repeat. Anybody in the East give you guys what if it ends up uh, Washington Blackhawks in the final? You guys, you uh, guys got Washington. Uh, I'm not not too worried about Washington. Um, I know I know they're playing very well this season. I just don't know if they have the blue line depth. To, to keep up for an entire postseason or a seven game series against the Hawks. Still, still uh, to be proven. Very reliant on Holtby. Still yeah. to be proven still for be sure. Um, they're they're one of those, and I think now they they may be ready to change that that script a little bit. But they are the classic regular season Presidents Cup trophy first round exit team. So. Um, if they do, we'll you know, if they do make it out of the East, we had the Dana Lane on last week. He's a handicapper here in town. Um, interesting matchup would be if Boston squeezes out a wild card and ends up playing the Washington in the first round. Um, that would go a long way towards telling me what kind of team Washington is if they had to, because I think Washington, I think if Boston gets in, they're going to be that team that nobody in the East really wants to play. I mean, especially if Rask can Absolutely. if Rask can get a hold of his game a little bit. I mean, it was very pretty last night, um, but notwithstanding, they uh, they put together a pretty solid season so far. So they, uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more in a, in a little while. But uh, the East is the East is going to be a different different story. It's going to be tough to see who gets in, but. Uh, no, I think I think we both agree we're looking at it at a, yet another Kings Hawks Western Conference final and the NHL will be a better place for it. Uh some of the, some <laughs> of the you know, some of the best best hockey I've seen in in 10 years for sure. So David Man, I'm going to have to let you go, Chris, and I'm going to finish this show with David and <laughs> Uh, not seeing that happening. But uh, anyway, David, thank you again for, for coming in, and we're going to let you go. Um, hopefully we get towards the playoffs. Uh, if if things if everything works out right, we'll have you on again at a Western Conference final preview show. How's that sound? Sounds great, guys. My pleasure being on. Do it again anytime. All right, man. Thanks, thanks again Thank for you. coming on, and we'll talk to you soon.
Sounds good, guys. Have a great night. Okay, bye-bye. You too. All right, Chris. That was a, yeah, the, Dave did a, another young guy, just like Cam Hasbro, did a great job. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Well, quick, well done. Well podcast. done. Very well done. Uh, is just real quick as we, this, we're doing this podcast on Wednesday the 10th, going into Wednesday the 10th action. And the Eastern race is just insane. Uh, you know, the Capitals are obviously going to win the East. I'm not ready to give Florida the uh, give, win the uh, Metro. Excuse me. I'm not ready to give Florida the Atlantic, although they are uh, starting to have a bit of separation. They're up to eight points, but when mm. you go past the division leaders, you got in the Atlantic. You know, Tampa Bay and Boston with the two automatic spots at 62, uh, and then on uh, the Metro you have the Rangers at 65 and the Islanders at 62. Uh, and then after that, the wild cards, you got Detroit at 62, Pittsburgh 61, New Jersey 61, Montreal 58, Carolina 57, Ottawa 56, and Philly 55. I mean, obviously there's some games in hand in with some of those teams. Like, for instance, I could tell you uh, following the Islanders that they have games in hand on uh, on, on a number of teams. Um, they have, I believe, a couple of games in hand on the Rangers. Uh, and I believe we have three games in hand on the Devils, as an example. But and Montreal, you know, I mean, I think, yeah, and, Montreal yeah. too. Two uh, games that, on Carolina. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. But that is uh, that potentially. I mean, no team uh, outside of the division leaders right now should feel safe uh, whatsoever. So I think each team, each team is going to have to look at it as you know, like you know, our playoffs is now. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and then who also, you know, who hits a good streak or if any of those teams hit a bad streak between now and towards the end of the month, and like a Carolina or a Philly, or, uh, and do they become a seller? You know, that kind of thing. Something to watch out for. Man, even though Carolina's sniffing it, I still got to think that Stahl has moved at the deadline. Yeah, I should have asked David. You know, uh, he would have. He would be. A, he. Would, I mean, he'd be great. But I mean, he now. How about him going to the Blackhawks? I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Ouch. Uh, actually, I would not. I mean, if it could work out cap wise, uh, be a I good would fit, huh? Look, if you look at. I mean, right now, you got to think. Obviously, the three favorites to win the cup. The three teams that could feel like this could be our year. Is the Kings, the Blackhawks, and the Capitals? Dallas, I Dallas. I gotta, I gotta put Dallas in that spot too, Chris. Da- Dallas. Really? I, 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 absolutely. I, I'm not, I'm not with you on that one. No, I, you, 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 teams, you said that the teams. I, think, the, I know what I said. I know what I said. Uh, but I'm just saying, I, I gotta think that one of those three teams is gonna try to do their darndest to make a signature move before the deadline, and Eric Stoll would fit all three of those teams. Yeah, for now, sure. There's, like I said, cap, there's cap situations, you know, there's giving up a lot of assets for a rental situation, so not an easy trade, but, and that's provided that Carolina pulls out of it, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe Ron Francis is going to look big picture. I, I, I'm going to go backwards. I, I absolutely think Dallas believes they're a cup contending team right now to a man. You know, I just I can't sign off on that goaltending. I just I just don't think when push comes to shove. I mean, all right, you know, I could definitely see them beating St. Louis. St. Louis is uh, is a team that should be knocking on the door. Uh, but we've known that their their playoff no pun intended their playoff blues, if you will. But you know, I don't see Dallas be I don't see Dallas beating Chicago. I don't. I really don't see them. I see them. Uh, I don't like that matchup with the, for them at all. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I think it would be a, a six or seven game series, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're a little bit higher on them than I. I, I have been from the I'm start, not, so I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay on them. You I, have been. I've you been. Have been. And Florida as well. So. I have been, 
I have been. If Matt Pryor was here, he would be beating me up. Like, <laughs> yeah, he would. Uh, and who knows? Maybe, maybe they can add a defenseman before, before the trade deadline. That's who to so watch for. That's who to watch for the, for the trade I, deadline is what Dallas does. Because I'm, still not, I'm still not in love with it. Even if they do, I'm still not in love with that goaltender. <clears throat> if you have two goaltenders, you got none. Is that it? No, I, I think they're both good. I, I you know... Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think they're good enough. How's that? You think another stay-at-home defenseman in front of him and cut down on some of the chances against helps? Yeah, no, that, would, that, that always goes a long way. That always goes a long way. I mean, it's, you know, it's not impossible, but to me it's clear that the three best teams are uh, the Kings, the Hawks, and um, and the Capitals. And I tell you this, I'll leave you, well, I guess they will end on this note. It is amazing, although, you know, uh, we had David on, obviously, this show, Dana, uh, Lena, uh, then the Capitals, I mean, I, I get it, but they are not getting a lot of love out there in terms of people like, you know what, you, you think you're a top team? Show me. Get to get, get, get to right. the Cup Finals. And until, that, until, until then, I don't want to hear it. I'll tell you what, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at something right now. Goals for 174, goals against 118, goal differential plus 56, Washington Capitals. That's pretty outstanding, huh? They've only lost nine games in regulation. <laughs> yeah, it maybe. I mean, you know what? We need to we need to look up a Washington Capitals writer and get him on the show because that could be. That could be a big chip on their shoulder yeah. going into the playoffs. Is no one believes in us, us against the world, locker room material. No one's picking us to get out of the East. You know what I mean? And I keep going back, and I keep going back, to, uh, and, and I know you'll agree with me on this. I keep going back that you got Justin Williams in that room now, and even 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 Mike Richards. I, I think especially Justin Williams because he's a he's a big key component to that team. Big game player. Uh, um, yeah, I you know I I think that's I you know sometimes you have that one guy who can help take a team um, you know turn the corner uh, when they've been so close. So uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Maybe for the next podcast, we'll yeah, let's but, find uh, let's let's yeah, hook somebody, somebody up. Out. Absolutely, best team in yeah, hockey, and we're not even because... we're not even giving them any love. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely because uh, I definitely respect them. They knocked out the Islanders last year. I think they were unlucky in the Rangers series. Uh, they yeah, won that series, but they didn't. I, I think I, I think that's kind of like uh, that's the point that uh, year after year they seem to have really good teams and they've been ever so close, but uh, they can't even get into the East. Not not that it's a it's an easy thing to do, but they can't even get into the Eastern Conference Finals. So. Um, yeah, this this is the year that they have to. I mean, let's face it; it's been it's been quite some time that someone has had this kind of dominant regular season from pillar to post so far. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no, they've been, they've For, been fourth yeah, fourth place in the conference is twenty points behind the Capitals, and that's your Islanders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, they. Uh, that's ridiculous. Um, you know, they've been uh, they. Take no prisoner. I mean, they've been. Uh, they're going to be. A, they're going to be a tough hombre. Uh, one <laughs> thing come as long as they stay healthy, uh, come to the playoffs. And I, I, you know, I do not have any doubt with them in goal with Holby. No, absolutely not. I mean, my more doubts. With, my more doubts with them is, you know, just the, the team in front of him in terms of when they get to a big series. Yeah. And being able to win those key, key games. But yeah, I mean, from a talent standpoint, it's all there for them. It yeah. really is. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it is. It is all there for them, and you know, uh, and there will be a lot of pressure on them because the expectation. Let's put it this way: uh, if if they don't at least get to the Stanley Cup final, this this season will be viewed as a gigantic disappointment. After that's a lot of pressure. The, yeah, it is. Especially after where they're that's sitting a lot right of now. Pressure. Mm. Yeah, like you said, what if they draw Boston the first round? Boy, no, and Boston has nothing to lose with yep. with with people like Bergeron, Aranis, and people who've won before. And you experience know, that would not be a matchup if I was them. Or better, even still, what if Montreal sneaks in as the second wild card and uh, Carey Price? And they have yeah, Carey Price. 
if he comes back healthy you know, and I fresh. Mean, mm, tough. Uh, tough draw. Tough yeah, draw. Now, now, if they face someone like a Pittsburgh or, you know, someone along those lines, you know, I, 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 I they would be a gigantic favorite. But uh, not that they wouldn't be favorites in those other series. But this could be a, there's going to be a big spotlight on them. Well, Chris, I got to wrap this up, man. Uh, make All sure, right. Make sure you follow Chris. Last word on sports: the Hockey Writers at the NL King, and we're gone. <laughs>